1: All
2: right, what's going on, Lockdown MLB fans? I am Sean Sears. I host the Lockdown Cubs podcast. Joined with me as well is two of the other central, NL Central hosts being Lucas Smith. And, of course, we've got none other than Jeff Carr from Lockdown Reds, who's got a magnificent voice.
1: Uh, What is up, guys? (laughs) I feel like I got gypped in that intro. I don't know. I feel like Jeff got (laughs) a much more glorious intro than I did. Lucas Lucas is an also-ran. (laughs) Lucas
2: has got a great voice too. I just feel uh, anytime I get on a podcast with Jeff, I'm always... Put it at ease, even if it's a stressful day, talking with Jeff. Especially the last time we talked, we were talking about, uh, what was it, Cincinnati's got some like crazy awesome like French fry ice cream. Yes. Or something like that. Yes.
0: And I'm still been gypped on it. I still haven't had any of it. I really cannot wait for 2021, mostly for the s'mores fry box, but also for some Red's baseball too. We can talk about that, but I'm always <laughs> up for talking about s'mores fry box.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I have been, I've been thinking about that every time I I watch Red's highlights. I think about it now. It's, uh, I've never had it before. And I honestly don't even know if I'm like that excited about it. I just like, it's like, it's like, it's permanently associated in my brain, I guess. But, um, Obviously, the NL Central, we had four playoff teams, which was great, at least on paper. But when you kind of dive into these teams, like I'll go on record and say, I honestly think if there were two more weeks in the season, the Cubs might be third place in this division Mm -hmm. Um, with how poorly they were playing going up into this run. But there's still some positives to take away. Jeff, obviously, I'll start with you here, the Reds. They came in with a ton of expectations. They were starting to kind of figure it out towards the end. That had to be so frustrating to see this, scene, this team like, kind of getting things, I guess, going in the right direction, and then the season abruptly ends. They get to the postseason. doesn't quite work out. But I guess what was your takeaway from this Reds team?
0: It was so crazy because, like you mentioned, we go into opening day thinking, oh, man, this team can contend for the Central. And then the, throughout the first month of the season, it's like, this team can not be last? What are we talking <laughs> about here? And right. Then, And then they flip the script again in September, and they're like, oh my gosh, if we'd have played more games, and then they go into the playoffs, and they're like, we're just going to continue to be bipolar and not score any runs. So I (laughs) thought it was really weird. So we start the season with Matt Davidson and Travis Jankowski on the roster. They go through August. They figure out we don't need these guys. They're not good. Then we go into the playoffs. They add them, and I feel like that was almost like a moment. Whenever everybody on the Reds team looks at the playoff roster and like, oh, so these guys are back. So it's August again? So, yeah, it was really confusing. Really fun, though, in September. I mean, that run, that was a lot of fun to witness when we saw some of the guys actually play up to their potential, like Shogo, who got on base 45% of the time. In the month of September. And we even saw our light hitting defensive Gold Glove finalist catcher, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, He actually had an OPS over 950 in the month of September. So that was, there was some good, there was some bad. Um, Most of the good was pitching. And uh, yeah, it it was a lot of fun to watch. uh, But it just felt like after August, everybody was looking up at Chicago, and, like, okay, let's see if we can sneak into one of these eight playoff spots. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was uh, – I mean, obviously, 2020 is going to be a weird season no matter what. We knew that was going to be the case in March before we even knew a season was going to happen. Um, but it's, uh, it's been weird. This Reds team obviously had a lot of potential. It was a bummer to see them maybe not reach it right away, but it was a lot of fun to watch towards the end. I was – and I, I said it throughout even just even before they got on the run, that Reds team with their pitching, it was not a team you want to see, especially in a three-game set with Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. Likely being one and two for game one and two.
0: Like, oh my god, absolutely not. So, there's a lot of potential there. The annoying part was the pitching worked. It's just you know, you got to score one run. You're not going to beat anybody zero to zero. Yeah, that line
1: just got blown with that fact. Well done.
0: You know the key to hashtag analysis. Yeah,
2: the key to baseball scoring runs, guys. I don't know if you knew that, um, but <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, obviously St. Louis. Uh, it was a weird season for them. Uh, very yeah. disjointed. You waited longer than I think any other one, anyone else did, for their team to play baseball, um, at least real baseball, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There's, a positive, there's positive things for this team, obviously, still. The Cardinals are – it's tough to kind of figure out what that core is at the moment now, but at least mm-hmm. pitching-wise, you've got a stud in Jack Flaherty. And that alone makes you dangerous, I think, especially in the Central. But on the 2020 season as a whole, what were uh, some positives and some uh, maybe some things you were frustrated with this season, Lucas?
1: I think in a way it's almost similar to Cincinnati where that pitching for St. Louis was incredible. Um, Wainwright pitched like, he, pitched like he did in 2010 again. You had KK Kim come in and pitch really well. The bullpen was locked down pretty much the entire season um, from, from Diego's. Guys like Alex Reyes pitched really well. And then the offense was just abysmal might be too harsh of a word, but at times it really <laughs> didn't look like a major league baseball team was sitting. Um, you know the league, the leader in the Cardinals was like seven home runs or something really low like that. I think Miller and O'Neill both had seven. This, this offense just had an inability to score enough runs, and I think that um, just because of how good the pitching was, and even when the starters had a rough day, it seemed like the bullpen always was able to come through. And it, it was just that that hitting core was really weak. You didn't really have a guy that could back up Goldschmidt, so you saw his thirty thirty average from the first couple uh, weeks or so. At, you know. Weeks in their terms started in um, the Pittsburgh series, and you know had that little bit of a layoff. But his average dropped because pitchers didn't pitch to him. There was just no protection for Goldschmidt consistently throughout the year, and you, you had little guys step up. But it was just a bizarre year offensively because again, at times it, it was like they were the, the 1927 Yankees, and at times it was like they were their Double A ball club. It was just really bizarre. And then the playoffs come, and they and they play the the uh, the the God-chosen talent of the San Diego Padres and Fernando Tatis. And they, they snuck a win in game one. And after that, with the pitching, you felt good. But the offense just disappeared in game three. So the, the, the pitching was the strong suit for St. Louis. And it really wasn't even Jack Flaherty, to be quite honest with you. He had a mediocre 2020 at best. It was guys like Wainwright, Cam and Dakota Hudson all stepping up. So it was just a bizarre year offensively. And pitching-wise, this, this team is top-notch. They might not have, like, the biggest names. Like, you're not going to have a one-two punch of – of, uh, you know, uh, of, I'm totally blanking, Bauer and uh, Gray, but you're you're still going to have guys that can get you five, six, seven quality innings.
0: I've been wanting to ask you since our last crossover, is Kim a magician? Because he's probably (laughs) my favorite player in this division outside of the Reds, and he was just so much fun to watch, and Mm -hmm. dude wasn't burning up any radar guns, but he was a magnificent pitcher. I mean, it's a cliche, but the dude knows how to pitch. He's got a really good, really good
1: breaking stuff. And yeah, he just found holes in people's swings. And did he give up some hard contact at some points to get lucky outs? You can make that argument if you look at the numbers. But at the end of the day, he did. He got outs. And he's not, you know, weird isn't the right term I want to use, but that's the word that comes to mind. It's very superstitious. Um, Where the first start, he like warms up like religiously, whenever the minute man hits zero on at whatever given time. And he didn't do that on his first start and pitched awful. And that was his biggest critique of himself going into his next start, <laughs> that he has to start his bullpen at a better time. So he's just real meticulous in the way he does things. But he got results for pretty much every start of the season, except for one or two. Um, but yeah, he, he was really fun to watch because it was kind of a head-scratcher as to why he was getting so many outs, but he got all the outs he needed to get. Book bars, new and improved and even more delicious than before. 18 amazing flavors. They have six new ones, my favorite one being cookies and cream. Some of my favorites from the 12 originals are raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, orange, and coconut. These bars are covered 100% in chocolate, so that means that me and my sweet tooth love these things. They're soft and easy to chew, and above all, they are extremely healthy despite being covered in chocolate. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. These bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and if you're on it, it's great for the keto diet. I'm not on any special diet, but I'm just like anybody else, wants to stay as healthy as I can while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are a great way to do that. Right now, you can get a free cooler with your purchase of Built Bar while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com to, for a chance to your free cooler. And you can also use promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get 20% off your next order by using promo code LOCKED ON. Again, promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off at builtbar.com.
2: Yeah, he's a Kim's a fun guy. He, yep. he, like you said, he does give up hard contact, but he's rocking a fifty percent ground ball rate. Um, so that's awesome. They can pound it in the ground as much as they want if he's mm-hmm. going to drill that up. There <laughs> yeah. is some like there is some signs of regression. Like his FIP is three eighty eight, so obviously he he benefits a ton having a guy like Colton Wong behind him, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmund at third. Those guys obviously and Paul Goldschmidt, all Gold Glove caliber performer, Gold Glove winners. So. Mm-hmm. That's pretty solid too. But yeah, Kim fit fit like a glove, especially like you said. I mean, f- struck out just under six batters per nine innings. Like he was a bone dudes down. He was just outsmarting them. And that was impressive to see. Um, I we'll talk about we could talk about the Brewers for a second, even though <laughs> none of us really are are fans <laughs> of them or follow them or like them or anything. No, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. um <laughs> now the Brewers were an interesting team this year. Uh just not a ton going their way uh but we're still really pesky they had one of the best bullpens in baseball again in a year that everyone kind of thought they might not have a great bullpen um but god really i don't know about year. you guys yeah jesus uh, oh my god devin williams incredible uh <laughs> like insane the only downside to a season is why the heck wasn't that dude on the postseason roster was my only question but uh Devin Williams, incredible. Obviously, a short season, or not a short season, but a poor season from Christian Yelich, who I think he was coming to his own a little bit towards the end of this season. But uh, you look at, like, how much we actually played. Like, realistically, this was, like, the 60-game season was essentially March and April, or April and May of baseball. Like, these guys could have easily turned it around. But I don't know about how you guys felt, but the Brewers just seemed like they weren't legitimate, but they were just rather pesky throughout the year.
0: Devin Williams different. was a cheat code, man. Like, oh, my God.
2: I hate what that guy. The,
0: I, every time <laughs> yeah, every time it was the, the Brewers took a lead into the eighth inning or maybe even the seventh inning because they, they like to stretch him out more than one inning mm-hmm. at a time, it was like bye-bye baseball. Like You're not going to see a comeback from your team because they're going to have Devin Williams and Josh Hader and the game is over mm-hmm. at the, you know in the seventh inning if the Brewers are up even by one. It was crazy, and then on the flip side, if you took a lead, um, really into the later innings, they really didn't have a ton of answers to throw on you. So they just they were good at holding leads in the last three, four innings of a game. But overall, the lineup, I thought they did a decent job of replacing the bats that they lost. Not exactly, um, you know, one for one comparison. I know they had trouble sure. with Justin Oak and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but they were still able to find the runs. And they, they remained a pesky team. They're going to be interesting coming into 2021. What moves do they make to kind of fill out their roster?
1: I think one thing that hurt them a lot, too, that for for, at least for, for my looking at the team really wasn't talked about was Lorenzo Kane um, opting out of the season. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think he's one, he's one of my favorite players to watch. I, whenever they signed him two years ago in the offseason, either a day after or a day before trading for Christian Yelich, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this team is for real, you know, and I just think that not having your starting center fielder always hurts because uh, you got to be strong up the middle and, and his bat and his IQ in the lineup is just, it, it's irreplaceable. But I, I think that this team was, was pesky. I think that although they got swept by the Dodgers. I thought that they played them pretty close for the most part. Um, I think for whatever reason, Ryan Braun decides to turn into Babe Ruth when he plays the Cardinals and he doesn't <laughs> when he plays anybody else to my knowledge. So that, that's annoying. But I just think that this team is not quite there. I just don't know what their payroll situation is, but I just don't know if they're gonna have any sort of money or any sort of of trading chips to really improve this team in the offseason. Yeah. To
0: your point about oh, Jeff. No, go ahead, Jeff. What were you saying? To your point about uh, Yelich with a slow start though, I gotta admit um, a little bit of relief on that because (laughs) he in one year he once hit for the cycle twice against the Reds. So I was okay (laughs) with him not being good this year.
2: Yeah, it, you said, Lucas, I, I know you're talking about Ryan, or Ryan Braun. I don't know what it is, man, but it feels like in moments where he can really just be – a big jerk to the Cubs. Uh, and that's me putting it very nicely. Um, <laughs> the the moments where he can step up and make a big time moment against the Cubs, it always seems like he does that. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to him and uh, not not seeing Christian Yelich be the guy that mashed baseballs the last two years was strange. And uh, I'll take it again next year if when he's facing the Cubs, but I hope he bounces yeah. back. Yeah. He's, he's such a fun guy. The The Brewers are such an interesting club because they're, They've always, I mean, like the last four years, I feel like everyone's been yelling at them to go get starting pitching. And then all of a sudden they turn around and it's like, well, we have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Like, do you guys want more pitching? And it's kind of like, yeah, what in the world? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm glad these guys figured it out finally, but like what took so long, I guess. But, um, they're, they're such a weird, um, group because they are small market to some extent. I know their front office is trying to do similar things that Tampa Bay has, and they haven't quite panned out quite yet, but, um, They're so different than a lot of other teams because they will approach the game in ways that you just haven't thought of yet. And I, I always appreciate that. So.
1: But Don't tell us about uh, the Cubs. How about we, go, we smooth transition yeah. into the Cubs? Oh <laughs> my
2: gosh! Yeah. So then, then you talk about the Cubs. Uh, but uh, the 2020 season started out great. Uh, obviously, going 13 and three was super fun, um, and then it wasn't quite so much fun after that. Uh, the offense kind of broke again. We've been kind of saying <laughs> the same narrative the last four years, uh, but this offense looked really bad this year, and it, it came down to the Cubs' core four guys being uh, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant. Um, Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras. To some extent, he hit a little bit better, but mainly Kyle Schwarber. Those four guys just not being who they were the last few years really hurt them. Chris Bryant just couldn't get healthy again. Um, Mm -hmm. It brings uh, 2020 down to a screeching halt here because you look at what's coming next, and you you don't really know. A lot of guys that are going to be free agents after 2021, 2022. Theo Epstein's likely leaving after the season once his contract is done. Uh, the Cubs kind of have to figure a direction, um, and they, I think they wanted to do this maybe this last off season, but couldn't because of the Chris Bryant grievance, so there's a lot yeah. of questions that come into this year now, and um, realistically, the Cubs probably won't have answers until they get an idea of what the market's going to look like, but I would assume the Cubs probably trade uh, one of their top four guys being Rizzo Bryant, Baez, or Schwarber, possibly Contreras too. I, I think all mm-hmm. those guys, I would assume one or two of those guys probably leave. So a different team probably in 2021, maybe for once.
0: I was going to say with the last year of Theo, do you expect it to be a lot more quiet than in years past? Or do you think that he's going to make moves with the future in mind?
2: I, I think it's a little bit of both. I I, I think Epstein, there's like I mean, he's, like, arguably already the best uh, executive in baseball history, probably sports history. Like, just ending the World Series for the Red Sox and Cubs droughts, like, that alone is enough. But – Obviously done a lot of good things. I I have a hard time seeing him just like sitting on his hands and not doing anything, especially his last year. If he thinks this team is competitive, I I, I see him trying to be more aggressive. Um, What that means though, exactly. I have no idea because they, they, they have, I mean, all their assets depreciated this year, (laughs) like outside of maybe Wilson Contreras, like a lot of guys didn't build up their stock. Um, the best asset you have probably trade wise would be your, maybe your two starting pitchers and you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks, but they're, they're not trying to blow it up. They're trying to remain competitive this year while also making sure they stay competitive post 2021. So I have a hard time seeing Epstein kind of throw it in the towel a little bit, but at the same time too, if this team falls apart at the deadline, I could see Epstein maybe being a part of the trade deadline conversation and maybe exiting afterwards if this team is bad next year. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it all comes down to who gets DFA'd, really. I think that's where the Cubs are going to get the most bang for their buck, take some of the scraps into other teams and hope they can maybe reinvigorate their career. That's probably the direction they go. Um, but I guess offseason talk a little bit for the uh, the Cardinals, Lucas. I guess if you had to pick one player right now, outside of, I guess, maybe not – worrying about money and all the factors going in with COVID. If there were a guy you could pick right now as a free agent to come plug into the Cardinals, who is it right now?
1: For me, free agent-wise, it's going to be George Springer. And I know that he comes from mm. from the, the awful Astros and all that good stuff. <laughs> but I just think that outfield as a whole this this season, that was abysmal for the Cardinals, and I'm not afraid to use it in this context anymore. <laughs> um, but it, it was – especially center field, I Harrison Bader – People, you know, he hit like two twenty or something. I forgot to pull the stats, but he hit like two twenty this year and people called it a resurgence of an off of a year. I was like, two twenty is is if that's a resurgence, then you need to find some, something else to do in center field. And I I just think George Springer, <laughs> you know, and for all the hate that he gets and for all the hate the Astros get it with Paul but I just think him him as a leadoff bat, him as a, a a staple in center field for St. Louis, he's the guy that I think that they should go after. Now, will he? Will they? I don't think so. Think so. I think that they go after more of the, the lower tier guys, maybe a Jock Peterson to platoon on left field. I think they should go after Justin Turner as an upgrade at third base, but I think it's more likely that they go out of the system to get an outfielder than it is for them to go out of the system to get an infielder. Um, and who knows what the trade market's going to look like again, with, with all this COVID 2020 stuff, who knows what the office is going to look like at all. If people want to stay, stay pat because 2020 was such a weird year and they don't trust it and they want to see what 2021 is, who knows? But I think that it, it, my guy is George Springer because for me, in 2021, an outfield of Dylan Carlson in left, Springer in the center, and I guess Fowler in right. I'm okay with that outfield for 2021 because you're paying Fowler so much money anyways, you might as well play him. So for my guy is George Springer. The realisticness of that is probably slim, but my guy is George Springer for the Cardinals. I like that. That'd be a great fit. I think so.
0: <laughs> Jeff? I'm kind uh, of looking into the, the crystal ball a little bit, Lucas. Uh, do you see Michael Liberatore making an impact next season?
1: There were talks of that, especially because he was like the guy that um, pitched like the, the – not spring training, but the, the, the off-campus pitching whenever people were COVID-19. Like he was at the simulated games. He was the guy that pitched, and there's no video of it, but they said that he was impressive. Like Melina was impressed whenever he had to go get his rehab. DeYoung was impressed when he got his rehab after getting COVID. There's a, there's a really legit chance that Libertor makes a, a starting rotation bid, at least, in, in spring training. And some people think that he's going to be the fifth starter for St. Louis in 2021, is that rushing it? I mean, you know, I I have to talk to RM Leighton if he's being rushed or not. But I think that <laughs> Libertor has a really good chance to make a – he does have a good chance to make a, a, a significant um, push for a starting rotation next year and a significant impact.
0: And then follow up to uh if liberator is in the rotation, is de Leon anywhere? Because I wanna see a game where it's like Liberator and De Leon pitching and it'll just be the most elegant names on the baseball diamond. <laughs> I think that there's you know, with, there's a good chance
1: whether I'm dreaming because of the names or what, but there's a decent chance that with with who they are, that they piggyback each other. Um Nick Shield doesn't like that term, but I think that De Leon has shown he can go six or seven in a couple of different starts, but I think his, his role right now is more suited for a three-, four-inning guy, and then maybe for 2021, you use Liberator as that backup, or you flip it, depending on, you know, kind of a mini-opener, if you will, but that would be quite, and you're right, an elegant way of uh, having your pitchers <laughs> in a game, Liberator and Ponce De Leon. Yeah, geez, man. They sound like they should be like leading the Ottoman Empire, not the <laughs>
2: rotation for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Jeff, obviously the Reds made some I mean, uncharacteristic big splash moves last off season. Are you expecting that to happen again? I guess what's happened with Nick Castellanos? What's your feel for this offseason?
0: I think this offseason is going to be a lot more like what Reds fans are used to before these past two years, Uh, when you've got two reasons being that they have spent a ton over the last couple of seasons, but also you've got the COVID bankroll. Who knows what that's going to be and what it's going to look like for the Reds going into free agency. And that's kind of one of the reasons I'm not super bullish on them bringing Trevor Bauer back. It's not for any reason. I mean, obviously, Reds fans have loved Trevor Bauer this season. I've got myself a Bauerweiser t-shirt, king of strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it, he's going to cost so much money. There's going to be somebody that's going to throw $30, 35000000 at him for a year or maybe even a multiple year contract that the reds just can't match so i'm not banking on that sure i'm still hoping for it but i'm not expecting it so with that being said i I don't think there's going to be a ton of moves plus they've already got in-house guys that they can plug into the rotation and while they're not as good as bauer because bauer should win the Cy young i think that um they they're still going to be solid rotation wise with the guys that they've got in-house so with that being said, the one move that I'm looking for them to do, and the one move that I'm trying to champion and uh, try to, you know, osmosis my mind to Nick Crawls' mind, um, is mm-hmm. go for Andrelton Simmons. I want Andrelton mm-hmm. Simmons so much because he's not going to cost as near as much as Trevor Bauer, but he's not going to cost like a whole bunch of money per year like I I think they could probably get him for about nine million something like that he will be the best defender on the team obviously the best defender in the infield and he'll be able to shore up a spot in the bottom third of the order the bottom third of the order for the Reds was just such a black hole this season very inconsistent based on who was in there and you look at the guys that the Reds tried to plug in at shortstop whether it be Freddie Galvis who flirted with the Mendoza online all season Then you have the the young stud, Jose Garcia, who is the shortstop of the future, but not the shortstop of 2021 because he was so overmatched at the plate. He's a very good defender, but he's not good at the plate. I think that you plug Simmons in there for a year, maybe even work Garcia in toward the end of uh, August, September, something like that, but you can bridge the gap between what we've got now, which is a bunch of question marks at shortstop in the future, which is Jose Garcia. As far as the rest of the roster goes, it's probably not going to change very much. I don't think Nick Castellanos opts out. He's going to have a hard time um, opting out of his current deal and getting a better deal after mm-hmm. getting on base less than 30% of the time in 2020. Uh, I'd, I, I know that people are going to say, well, shortened season, uh, maybe they kind of temper their expectations with the statistics, but it's not as if he can walk into any sort of contract negotiation and be like, look how good I was in 2020. He just, he had a lot of inconsistent numbers. So I think that he at least stays for one more year. He does have an opt out at the end of 2021. As well. So he can kind of bet on himself a little bit that he'll be better in 2021 and then test the free agent market next season, which is what I think most Reds fans uh, were expecting whenever he signed. Because they gave him two opt outs, which is weird, right? Like most guys, yeah. they only get one opt out, but they wanted Castiano so much, they're like, we'll give you two. And so I think that that's something that uh, we're going to see
2: we we'll